last week I shared with you that we're going to spend a few weeks in these verses in 1 Peter. We've been going through 1 Peter since September. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 begins with Peter saying, the end of all things is at hand. And then he gives, gives very specific exhortations. Exhortations to pray, to love, to use your gifts. And this morning I'm going to focus on verse 8, which is the call to love as he has loved us. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Peter 4, 7 through verse 11. Peter writes, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As I spend time this morning specifically on verse eight. I want to read it again. Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. As I unpack these words, I want to remind you of what Peter heard Jesus say. Luke, Matthew, Mark, John, all record the profound statements Jesus made about love. In John 13, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Now let's think about that. From Jesus's own lips, Peter is present, a new commandment, so their, their ears perk up, a new commandment I, the living God, give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now he hadn't gone to the cross yet but he loved them perfectly. He saw the sacrificial love. Love one another as I have loved you. All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So think about that. We can do many, many things. We can build new buildings, offer new programs, and not love one another. And the world would never know we're his disciples. We could get engaged in our city, have hearts of compassion, work to, to solve issues of injustice, and if we don't love one another, the world won't know we're his disciples. We can be brilliant and have deep convictions about theology and doctrine. We can read the best books that are out there, and yet if we don't love one another, as smart as we might sound, as faithful as we might sound, the world would not know we are his disciples. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And love is hard. It is not normal. You think it is, it is not. It is normal to love self. It's normal to love people that are easy to love. But to love those that aren't easy to love, to love those that you're in relationship with who disagree with you, 
To love those who have offended you or hurt you or wronged you in big ways and small is hard. And that is the kind of love that Peter is talking about here. To understand love in the New Testament, you need to understand three words. All three words mean love. Agape love, which is the word here, means essentially a choice to love. It is a decision. It is an act of the will where I'm going to love someone, period. Even if they don't love me back, even if they are unlovable, even if they've wronged me, I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to love them. It is the love that most describes God's love for us the most frequently. The second word for love is phileo, and that's the feeling love. That's the emotion love. And then eros is the other word, which is the the passion love. Here, Peter is talking about agape love. He's talking about the kind of love that Jesus was teaching them that they need to show to one another. And if they will, he says, all men will know they're my disciples. So as we move forward in the text, you, you and I both know it's hard to love that way. But that's what he's calling us to. In fact, he says this. He talks about prayer. He talks about using your gifts to serve. He talks about hospitality. But he says only this about love. Above all. Now, if you didn't know what Peter said and he simply said, above all, what do you think matters most? There's a blank. What would you have put there? Peter put love. Peter, carried along by the Holy Spirit, who heard Jesus say those very words, he said, above all, love one another. Can you begin to imagine the impact a church like ours and the church, capital C, could have in this world if the body of believers both hear this one expression and every expression of the true church worldwide, if it truly loved the way Christ has called us to love? It's pretty remarkable. What God promises is that all men will know you are my disciples if you love this way. So what does that love look like? Well, after Peter says, above all, he says, keep loving one another. What that means is that love does exist and it exists in our body. You know it's true. There are people in this body that you you love and you've received their love. But if we're honest, I'm sure that each of us could make a list, whether it's short or long, of people currently in the past, maybe even thinking into the future, that will be hard to love. That's part of the sojourn. That's part of the struggle. We know it's hard, but we know it also exists. So there is an already not yet happening here. Already Peter's saying, you're loving one another. Keep on. Don't stop. Love one another with this agape love. Then he gives us one of the great words in the New Testament. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. So what does that word mean? In the Greek, the word here earnestly means, it means to stretch. The image would be of a racehorse in full gallop with its legs fully extended. And you can see that the muscles are not able to go any further. They are completely stretched. And he is running with all of his might. That's what this word earnestly means. Peter is saying we are to love one another that way, that we are to be stretched so far beyond what we could ever imagine in order to love. Medical, uh, you know, f- medical folks in this time, Luke being one who spoke this way, used the very same word, and it is to describe those muscles that are being stretched beyond what we thought 
in order for greater strength to exist. I don't like stretching. 2003, I had back surgery. It wasn't that serious, but it's still back surgery. And I remember my physician saying to me, you know, your recovery is, is going to go well. We're going to give you physical therapy, but you're going to be back here seeing me before too long if you don't learn to stretch. And so he gave me a physical therapist. And I'm not joking when I say this. Her name was Olga. <laughs> and Olga met with me and said, show me how you stretch. And I began to show her. And she looked at me and she said, well, I'm going to help you. And she began to push and to pull. And then she'd go, uh-huh, like that to me. And I looked at her and she said, you have the flexibility of an 80-year-old man. Now, I know some 80-year-old men. Some of you are here. You are more flexible than me, I promise. I am extremely tight. And so she began to go to work on my body, stretching me in ways that I never thought possible. Some of you think it will never be possible for you to love the unlovely, to love a, a person you work with or go to school with or live under the same roof with. Yet God in the power of his Holy Spirit is not only calling you to love, he is the one and only one that can enable you to stretch you that way so that you can love as you never thought possible. And when the church loves that way, the world takes note. If you want to be inspired, Google stories about people who have shown remarkable love, remarkable forgiveness. Some are believers and some are not. Some are exhibiting true grace. Others are only exhibiting common grace. I came across a story of a man named Matt Swatzel. He is a man who lived in Chicago. He was a firefighter. And he had just worked one too many shifts. And finally, when he was released and began to drive home, the man who usually responds to accidents was a man who caused one. He fell asleep at the will. And when he did, he crashed into a, a, a car holding a woman with a child in the womb and a 19-year-old little girl. The mother and the infant in the womb child were killed. The 19-month-old was injured, and a husband is now a widower and has lost one child, and now is a single dad raising a little girl. Grieved beyond description, bitterness set in, anger. He should have known better. He is a man who rescues people, but in time, God gave him the grace to move towards this man. It actually happened so swiftly that he was able to go to this man's trial and to this man's hearing. He was guilty. And he pleaded the courts to diminish the sentence, to make it less. He was his advocate, the advocate of the man who fell asleep and killed his wife. After he was released from prison, he went further. He stretched his love further and he invited the man for coffee. Imagine the awkwardness of that. And then the beauty of that. As they stand in line somewhere and order a cup. And then they begin to talk. That's agape love. That is a love that describes the, the power of what Peter is saying should exist in believers. 
that, that there is inside us a love so powerful and compelling. It's a decision to love, even when phileo love isn't present, that is remarkable to a watching world. It's hard to love that way, but it is possible. But it's only, it's only possible in Christ. As Peter goes on, he describes what happens. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers over a multitude of sins. Well, one of the reasons we have a hard time loving each other is because we're sinners. We confess our sin publicly every Sunday. And there's never been a moment where you entered into this place and thought, you know, I did it last week. I've had a pretty good week. I don't need to participate. We have a hard time loving each other because though we are in Christ as believers, we're still sinful people. We do sinful things and sin hurts. It troubles relationships. It causes things to happen inside us in our thoughts and our minds and our feelings. And it happens one to another, sometimes in the closest of relationships, sometimes even in distance relationships. Sometimes it's very verbal and sometimes it's very quiet. Sometimes it explodes out loud and sometimes it's imploding inside. But what the Lord is saying is, above all, love one another. And then he says something here. Peter says that love covers a multitude of sins. Now this means more than you think. We all sin. There's sin in my life, there's sin in your life. And whenever it is exposed, the brother or sister in Christ should do everything in their power to love that person so well that that sin is hidden. Not that it is denied. Not that it is not treated with the right amount of discipline or accountability. But we love, some, we love each other so much that we know that that sin is wounding our brother and sister. So our heart should be to cover them, to point them to the grace and, and the only thing that ultimately can cover them is the righteousness of Christ. But instead, so often in the church, what is it? We actually feel better when somebody else is struggling. We don't necessarily always mind so much if something gets exposed. That's not love. Love is when we seek to love them so well that we want that which is ugly and awful and evil, not to be hidden in order to be never dealt with, but to not be exposed in a way that lacks beauty and glory. Do you see the difference? It is a brother and sister loving one another so well that our hearts actually break when one is living in sin. And we all are. My friends, that is why when the church loves the way the church should love, it is so beautiful. That is why when the church takes on the kind of love that Christ has, we lead with mercy, not law. It's why when one of our own struggles, we shock the world by showing grace and more grace and more grace, not to minimize the profound reality of ungodliness, but in belief that it's grace that's going to overwhelm a soul as it battles against sin. Love covers a multitude of sins. 
How do we love this way? The only way we could love one another with this kind of agape love is by receiving it. It's by the vertical conduit to God where his agape love, where his perfect agape love, perfect phileo love, perfect eros love comes to us. And never, ever once, and you need to hear this, never, ever once are we deserving of it. Not once. That's what's so amazing about it. And yet, he moves towards us. Remember Peter and Peter's denial that I even knew the Lord. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's response, it's an incredible text. Grace, grace, grace. How much does God love you? The only other time in the entire New Testament that this word earnestly is used in this form. The only other time in the entire New Testament where earnestly is used in this form is when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and the night in which he was betrayed. And there he is praying, as Luke the physician tells us, earnestly. Jesus is being stretched in his prayer because of what he knows is coming. And earnestly he prays to the Father and says, if, he says, if, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But not my will be done, but yours. Before Jesus is stretched on the cross, he is being stretched in this prayer. And as he is being stretched to the extreme, he is praying. So great is the agony in his soul that his body is sweating blood. That's literal. Luke, a physician, writes it because it happened. And they're being stretched for the sake of his Father's glory and our salvation. He says, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But because of the Father's own love for us, he wasn't willing. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so in obedience to his Father and pursuit of his Father's glory and our own good as his people, he took that cup. And the cup wasn't just the death on the cross. It was the pouring out of every unlovable act, thought, feeling for all mankind of all time towards God. And that wrath, perfect in the Father, was poured out on Jesus. So stretched was Christ for us. That's how he loved us. And what he told the disciples, and Peter reiterates here, is that we are to love one another as he loved us. Who in your life right now is hard to love? What brother or sister in Christ right now is hard to love? 
in your family, on your street, in this church, on a board, in your prayer group, at BSF, our community Bible study, at work or school? How could you ever love them the way Christ calls you to love? Only by meditating upon his love for you. Only in receiving that remarkable, amazing, agape love for you. He chose to love you. You're his. The beauty of this kind of love is that the world takes note. The world takes note because it's not normal. Love one another earnestly. Jesus, thank you for your perfect love for us. Father, thank you for sending Christ and your perfect love demonstrated there. And Holy Spirit, thank you for loving us so much. You illuminate our hearts to believe what Jesus did. Thank you, Father, for sending those angels to tend to Christ. And thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you that his death, as he was stretched on the cross, continued to be extended. And then your love stretched over death as he conquered it, being raised from the dead. Father, while we wait the sight of heaven and struggle to love, stretch us, stretch us in ways beyond what we could ever imagine, that we might feel the power of your presence and love as you've called us to love. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.